Let's open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, if you will, this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. I think the Holy Spirit's working as usual, and it's gonna, that song will go right along with this message, I hope, if I do it right. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to begin with verse 32. And uh, I've entitled this message, If You Want to Quit, or If You Feel Like Quitting, however you want to term it. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. The writer of Hebrews, and we don't know who that is. I I think it's the Apostle Paul, but I can't prove that because it never says who it is. But you can pick somebody else. Maybe Luke, maybe Barnabas, who knows. And then notice what it says. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated. Did you know you've been illuminated If you're a Christian, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves In heaven. Therefore do not cast away your confidence. Which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. So that after you have done the will of God. You may receive the promise. For yet a little while. And he who is coming will come. And will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back. My soul has no pleasure in him, but we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for this morning. You've been at work during our Sunday school hour. You were at work before we got here. You've been at work on our hearts and minds this week. We thank you for that. We thank you for the beautiful music you've gifted our church with. For the faithfulness of those who lead it in the choir who helps us uh, to worship you. And Father, we do want to worship you in spirit and truth. So let your spirit teach us your truth. And Father, let us not just be head learners, but heart doers of your word. Father, right now, I lift up those within the sound of my voice who have not publicly accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. That, Father, you will speak to them in such a clear manner that they cannot resist you any longer. And, Father, as you do these things for us, we just want to praise your holy name. And we'll leave this place saying it was good to be in the Lord's house with God's people today. These things I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, we learn a lot from our parents, or we should. Uh, my daddy's biggest thing, they said, what did you do for your children? He said, I taught them to work. And that was bad, dad's big deal. Uh, well, you need to learn how to work. Mom had a little bit different take on it. She wanted us to know how to work, but... She knew that life was hard, and so even during the work, she wanted us not to give up. She always said to me, 
Gary, we're not the kind who give up. And she meant that. And whatever we committed to, whatever we gave our word to growing up in school, whether it be Cub Scouts or whether it be some kind of sports or some kind of band or choir, whatever we started, we were not allowed to quit. Didn't matter if we hated it. Didn't matter if it was hard. Didn't matter if it was unfair. She didn't care. You gave your word. You're not going to quit. And that has served me well through the years. You know, some Monday mornings, y'all would be finding it hard to believe, but some Monday mornings, eh, I'd like to just quit. Maybe we had a bad week, or maybe Satan's attacking, or maybe somebody's been after me, or whatever the reason. There's no reason. And I just, I just like to quit. And in the back of my mind, in my heart, I hear my mother saying, Gary, we're not the kind who quit. And that's really what this passage of Scripture from the writer of Hebrews is telling us today. If you're here today and you've been sorely tempted to quit, you're in good company. I think the temptation to quit is probably the greatest temptation that Christians face in our day. It's, it's hard to just try to do God's will, you can say amen, and everything go wrong. It's hard when all you're trying to do is serve and love Jesus and you're attacked on every side. It's hard to walk through life and keep a smile going when your heart is breaking over the circumstances that God has allowed us to experience in our lives. But the truth is this. Our call in Christ is to endure. Now, you might want to put a different word than endure. You might say to persevere. Because as Baptists, we believe in the perseverance of the saints. We believe that once you're truly saved, once you truly know Jesus, there is no turning back. There is no losing your salvation. There is no giving up. We are called to press on. And that's what the writer of Hebrews wants us to do. And he says we're to do that in about four different ways, and we're going to cover them quickly. First of all, in verse 32, he said we're to do that by remembering how happy we were when we were saved. See, you need to remember how happy you were when you were saved. He said it this way in verse 32. But recall, some translations put, but remember. So remember, recall the former days. In which you were illuminated. You endured a great struggle with suffering. You see, the call there is to remember, to recall. And what does that word mean? You see, it means to seriously look at something. It means to investigate it. But it's more than just these fond, little, soft, fuzzy memories. It means to carefully reconstruct the events that led you to accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There's a reason for that. See, we're to remember the wonderful friend that we met when we met Jesus. See, he is our friend. He died for us as a friend. If you're taking notes, John 15, beginning verse 12, says this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. 
You're my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for in all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You need to recall, you need to remember the day that you met Jesus. You need to remember what he did for you. You need to remember who was there, who led you to Christ. You need to have that rock-bottom conviction. This was it. This is how it was. This is how I felt. Mm. We'll recall it, to reconstruct it. To be able to tell it to other folks. Remember the friend that you met. His name is Jesus. But don't just remember that. Remember how he changed your life. 2 Corinthians 5.17. We read it all the time before we observe baptismal waters. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What did Jesus deliver you from? Sin. Death. Separation from God. What did he do you? How did he change your life? He took an angry young man and gave him a hope and a future. He took somebody who was born and raised on the wrong side of the tracks and said, you're now the king's son. He took somebody that was so unworthy and gave him the jewel of his life sitting right over there. I didn't deserve that. He gave me three wonderful children. Praise God they're like their mama. (laughs) Gave me some grandkids to crow about. He's blessed me with a wonderful church to pastor. I didn't deserve any of that. But in his grace, he changed my life. Do you remember how Jesus changed you? Do you remember what he did for you? Colossians 1.13, if you're you're taking notes. He, speaking of Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness. Hallelujah. Come on, get excited, church. Are you still in the dark? Some of you walk around like you're still in the dark. And conveyed us, translated us, took us, however your, your translation says it, into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. We need to come to a point as Christians when we want to quit to remember the one who makes it all worthwhile. We need to remember the joy of our salvation. We need to remember how happy we were to be set free from the curse of sin and the slavery of sin. We need to remember what Jesus did for us and how he's our friend and how he changed our lives. And from now on, he wants only the best for us. And we should be excited about that and tell others about that. When were you saved? Yeah, Brother Gary, I've always been saved. Then you're not saved. There's a definite point in time when you have to accept Christ as Lord and Savior. You have to realize you are a sinner. You have to repent of that sin and place your faith in Christ. And when you do that, you're saved. And until you do that, you're lost. 
You're headed for the devil's hell. And it's time to remember, when did we do it? And it's time to live like we've experienced Jesus. Hallelujah. And then maybe, just maybe, we ought to wake up in the morning thinking, no, it's Monday. But no, thank God I'm still saved. And the best part about it, I want to tell you the best part about it is this. No circumstance, no circumstance, no person, nothing created can change our salvation in Christ Jesus. Jot down Romans chapter 8. You knew I was going to read it if you didn't know that. Something's wrong with you. Verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen and even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us. Oh, y'all ought to get on shouting ground now. Come on. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. (gasps) Through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any able created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of Christ who is in, from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus. Remember when you were saved and it keeps you from wanting to quit. But he gives us some more. Remember the promise of heaven. Look at verses 34 through 36. Remember the promise of heaven. He says this. For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Knowing, knowing, that word means to know by experience. It means to open something up. It's like a surgeon before they had all those MRIs and things you could see inside. They had to open you up to see what was in there. For some of us, it wasn't much in there. Knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. See, we need to remember the promise of heaven. Remember that there are better days coming. So that's pie in the sky theology. No, it's not. I realize this is not my home. I am a pilgrim. A traveler, a sojourner, so are you in Christ. Don't get so attached to this world that God says you have no heavenly use. You see, do we realize that our reward is in heaven? That there are better days coming? There's coming a day when we don't have to worry about cancer. There's coming a day when we don't have to worry about disease and surgeries and all these problems. It's coming a day when there's no more pain or suffering or sorrow. When God himself will wipe away the tears from our eyes, as the book of Revelation tells us. We need to remember better days are coming. We need to remember the reward that is ahead. Oh, what will it be like when we see Jesus? 
What will it be like when he says, well done, good and faithful servant? What will it be like when we walk into the pearly gates and we see all those loved ones that went before us and they've prepared a banquet for us and we sit there with the Lord and enjoy fellowship with other believers for all of eternity? Man, if I don't ring your bell, your clapper's broken. And if you want to know what a clapper is, go out to that bell, look underneath it, make sure there's not any wasp in it, look underneath it and move that thing till it rings. That's the clapper. It's what makes the sound. Some of our clappers have been broken. We've lost our sound as Christians. We've lost our song as Christians. And we need to remember the promise of heaven. Remember their better days ahead. Remember the war reward of the head. It says you keep your faith, you keep your confidence, for in it is great reward. Remember the promise that Jesus made. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And since I go, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. See, I don't know everything about heaven. The Bible just gives me glimpses of it. I look forward to seeing some of the saints that have gone on. I do. I can't wait to see my mama again. I can't wait to see my father-in-law again, my mother-in-law. I can't wait to see all those great saints who helped a young pastor uh, survive. I can't. There's been a lot of them who have died and gone on. But there's one thing I do know. I most want to see my Savior. I most want to fall at his feet and say, thank you. And so when you're tempted to quit with all of life's problems, remember the promise of heaven. Remember where your home is. And this life, according to Romans 8, the sufferings of this life will not be even be able to compare with the glory which shall be revealed in us in Christ Jesus. And the picture there in the Greek is of taking that old-timey scale where you'd place the lead here and you'd place the gold here and you'd see how much it was worth. And he says, boom, there's the sufferings. Here's the glory. It weighs so much more. We're not going to remember all the problems that plague us here because we're going to be with Jesus. What else are we to remember? The third thing he tells me to remember here is to remember the promise of Christ's return. Look at verse 37. Remember the promise of Christ's return. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. That's Jesus. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. See, it can't be long. This world gets worse and worse. God is profaned more and more. He's coming. I think Jesus is there making intercession with us, but he's got an ear tuned for the shout of God, for the trump of the Lord, when God says, go get him, son, and he comes back. It can't be long. And it is a certainty a lot of folks don't want to believe that. It's been so long, Brother Gary. How can you say that's an uncertainty? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3. 
Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust. We're there. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Fall to raw. That means that's a lie. For this they willfully forget that by the word of God... The heavens of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. They forget the great flood of judgment. They want to deny that it was a worldwide flood. They want to tell you it didn't happen. Then why are there fossils on top of the highest mountain peaks if it wasn't covered with water and there are sea fossils? They can't explain it. Other than the flood. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word. Are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of the ungodly men. But beloved do not forget this one thing. That with the Lord one day is a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. And then he tells us what that means. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness. But is long-suffering towards us and not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Jesus is coming back. The only reason that it doesn't happen right now is God in his mercy and grace wants a few more to have a chance to accept Christ as Lord and Savior and be saved. We are here by God's will. We are here without him coming back right now. So that some of you can have a response to set Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's his mercy. Remember the promise of Christ coming again. It won't be long and it is a certainty. The last thing to remember is this. It's in verse 38 and 39. Remember how disappointed we would be if we turned away from Jesus. We need to remember what would it be like if we turned away? What would it be like if we gave up? What would it be like if we just quit? What would life really be like if we did that? It says, now the just shall live by faith. Uh, Faith means we don't know what's happening tomorrow, but we trust God with it anyway. Because if we really know what happened, some of us would quit and run away today. Let's be honest. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Ooh. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. See, we need to remember how disappointed we'd be. What a disappointment we'd be with Jesus if we gave up on Jesus after all he's done for us. What a disappointment we'd be if we, if we gave up our faith and said, I don't believe anymore. We have young people all over the United States that are telling us that. They're telling us that because of two or three reasons. Number one, they've been exposed so much to the liberal ideas and methodology of the United States that they don't think faith is real. But the greatest reason they think faith isn't real is they don't see it lived out in the churches they've attended and grown up in. Mm, That's a sad thing. But can you imagine the look on Jesus' face at those who turn away? He says, my soul has no pleasure in them. But remember... How we would disappoint ourselves. We are not of those who draw back to perdition. But those who believe to the saving of the soul. Gary, we're not those people who quit. 
Church, we're not those people who quit. And you can clap. There you go. If you're tempted to quit, remember these things. Remember all these things. Remember your Savior. Dr. George W. Truitt, who pastored First Baptist Dallas for 47 years, preached a sermon, The Door to Heaven. And he said there was an army chaplain uh, during World War I when they fought out all those trenches. And he was going through the battlefield after they had moved forward. He was looking at all the poor dead folks who had been gassed and shot and stabbed, just terrible destruction. As the chaplain's going along there, he looked and saw one of his own guys from his uh, troop. Oh, he called his name, said he didn't make it. And he started going on, he heard him saying something. He couldn't quite hear it. He's alive. So he jumped back down in that trench and he got real close. And the soldier was saying, here, here, I'm here. So he shook him and roused him. He said, why are you saying, here, here, I'm here? He said, oh, chaplain. So they're calling my name in heaven. I want them to know I'm here. I'm here. And as he held him, he passed away, but he knew where he was. My question for you this morning if for some reason you close your eyes in death when you leave this place, are you sure where you're headed? Do you know? If not, you need to get that straight today. My second question is this. I'm not going to lie to you. Life can be rough. You can say amen. It, is, it can be bad. But if you're one of those that want to give up, don't give up. Recommit to Jesus. Remember what he's done. Remember he's still for you. Remember that until he calls you home, he has something for you to do right here in this area to impact the kingdom of God. Don't give up. Some need to come and be saved. Some need to come and rededicate. Some need to come and put their life and work here in this church because we need workers in this church. And God has led you to this place by baptism statement letter. Some need to come and life is dealing so many blows they're just raining down on you. Have you ever noticed that it isn't ever one thing? We can handle one thing. But it's always one thing on top of another thing on top of another thing. If that's not enough, something else comes around the corner. That's to test our faith. And God allows that to see, do we really believe in him? And you need to come and put those burdens at this altar. Right here, there's enough. And you need to leave it there. I turn things over to God all the time. Then I find myself worrying over them later that week. I didn't really turn it and leave it. We need to leave it. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to stand and sing. Brother Ronnie's going to lead us in the hymn invitation. He does a marvelous job with that. You need to come. Father God, this is your time. It's holy time because you are here. I pray your will and only your will be done during this invitation time. And I pray that Jesus will be lifted up and glorified, for he alone is worthy of glory and honor and praise and power. Do this for us today. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen.